You're listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa, a podcast where we talk about what matters most, sports. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Time Out with Jen and Lisa. Uh, we took a week off last week. We were both a little bit under the weather, but we are doing better now. And uh, we did do a couple blog posts on our website. If you don't check out our website, it's timeoutwithjenlisa.com. Um, I think Lisa's written a couple of them. I wrote a couple of them. So we're having a good time kind of adding in the blog posts as well. Uh, just our random sports thoughts, random sports discussion. Uh, but along with the the blog post, we do, you know, continue our podcast. We have episode 15 today. Uh, pretty excited about that. Um, we have a lot of really a uh, little bit different topics. Well, one's very different. One we really haven't talked about too much is uh, the NCAA women's basketball Um, You want to talk a little bit about that. We also want to talk a bit about the NFL and who exactly saw J.J. Watt going to Arizona, because I didn't. Not me. And uh, we also want to hit on the NHL a little bit. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, with the NHL. And uh, I'm your host, Jen Fink, and with me is the wonderful... Lisa Porcello. And we are ready to kick it off for another episode with NCAA basketball. <laughs> NCAA women's basketball. Women's basketball. I say. Women's yes. basketball. I should make that very, very clear. Um, we, we both enjoy basketball a lot. I've been a women's basketball fan forever and a men's basketball fan. And then when Lisa and I started seeing each other 20 years ago-ish, um, I got her hooked on basketball more. And women's basketball, we've been to a bunch of Final Fours and things like that. So we, we really do enjoy it. Uh, but what really caught our eye... Um, it was a recent article in Slate magazine that talked about how Paige Beckers from the University of Connecticut is the best Connecticut player ever. <laughs> now, she's a freshman. Yes. I just want to point out that she's a freshman. And for those who may not be as familiar with women's basketball, NCAA women's basketball, UConn is a dynasty. I'm sure you've heard about it. They're the um, best. They're I the think, best. I think people that don't even know women's basketball know UConn. Yes, I mean, and if you don't, that good. If you don't, I'm not quite sure where you live, but yes, they're Under an amazing, <laughs> amazingly talented team. Um, they have produced so many Naismith winners and so many WNBA players and Olympians, and the list goes on and on and on and on, and it's all really attributed to. Gino Ariema, who is from outside, he's from Philadelphia, um, Norristown, uh, Pennsylvania, is where he grew up. His book is really, really awesome. He makes by the a way. really good wine. He does make a really good wine. I've had the Gino Ariema <laughs> wine. It's excellent. I'm not surprised. Uh, it's really good. But anyway, he's really turned uh, University of Connecticut into a dynasty of basketball. It used to kind of be Tennessee. I would say they're the greatest <clears throat> dynasty in women's basketball. I agree. Tennessee, Louisiana Tech, Texas, they were all really big. And then this Stores Connecticut University, Connecticut, came in and have really been the big team since, I would say, 1995. There were a few years, Tennessee sort of came back in. Maryland was in there Notre for a little Dame, bit. Notre Stanford. Dame, But UConn is just always there. They're like that annoying ant that always shows up with some sort of fruitcake that you're not really sure what it is. Like, they're just always there. They always show up uninvited. I mean, they're number one again. They're, they are. They're number one seed again. They, they're number one again. I think they're 20. They just won the Big East tournament. Yep. 
Paige Beckers won the MVP. Yeah. They beat poor Villanova in the semis, I think. Villanova scored 39 points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Connecticut's, they're amazing. Marquette, pretty close to that as well, probably. (laughs) So anyway, so... You know, this article came out about Paige Becker and Lisa and I started sitting, at, we were sitting on the couch and we started talking about, really, you're going to say Paige Becker is the greatest basketball player to come out of UConn? And we both vehemently disagreed. <laughs> like, you know, Lisa and I agree on a lot of things and we disagree on a lot of things, yes. but we definitely agreed on this. It, it's really hard for me to say that somebody of, you know, Dinah Tarazi caliber, Maya Moore ca- caliber, Brianna Stewart caliber. <laughs> like, how can you say that this freshman is better than them? Like, well, what I will say in Paige Becker's defense. Oh yeah, she, she believe me, she's amazing. She's Don't get me wrong. She led UConn to a twenty-one and one record, number one ranking. Um, she, she joined Maya Moore as the only woman to sweep Big East Player and Freshman of the Year awards in the same season. Uh, she leads UConn in scoring, nineteen point eight. Per game, assists, steals, and three-point shooting. Uh, so no freshman has ever won the Wade Trophy, which started in 1978, and that's the best player all around, right? Mm-hmm. The Wade Trophy? Oh, yeah, not Naismith. Sorry, that's men. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, whoops. <laughs> so the, and the only sophomores who have won uh, the Wade Trophy are Southern California's Cheryl Miller, Texas Clarissa Davis, and UConn's Maya Moore and Brianna Stewart. So she's the top player on a number one ranked team on a program that's won 11 championships. It's a pretty strong formula for her to win uh, national player of the year. I mean, the Huskies are pretty much projected to be the number one seed going in the tor- tournament. Um, you know, she's got consistency. She's been held to single digit scoring just once. And that was against Tennessee. She had nine points. And she got hurt in that game. <clears throat> she had to leave that game Did early. She? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her three-pointer late in that victory was what won the game for UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, she's had three consecutive games of 30 points or more, and that's something no other UConn player has done. And she has set the program's single-game assist record with 14 against Butler University. I have a lot to say about this, but go ahead. <laughs> now, I know your argument is always, well, Diana Tarazi played on a team with nobody around her. So... <laughs> Here, let's let's just listen to this, okay? Beckers is in a similar situation. She's playing on a team with no seniors and seven freshmen. Uh, she's had uh, plenty of opportunity to score, but she's in a very similar situation. You know, there's a lot of weight, a lot of pressure on her to perform, similar to Tarazi. Now, again, I did disagree with her being. The greatest UConn player ever. I don't but, know how you can say that when she's a freshman, but moving on. Yes, but if you look at her numbers and her consistency and her leadership, may you know we may be revisiting this discussion in a couple of years and and maybe agreeing with that article and saying that she is the greatest to come out of UConn. Just throwing it out there. Here's the thing: when Diana Tarazi started as a as a freshman, she was this really high highly touted young girl from California, you know, 18 years old, going to Connecticut where they had just won a national title. She goes out there and she thinks she's, you know, the hot commodity. Like she, she's like, I, I, I can rule it. I can rule it. She's playing on a team with Sue Bird, 
Swin Cash, Asia Jones, Tamika Williams. Like, you know, okay, I could on. have won a championship with that team. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> and I and I think, you know, her maturity, I, I will say this, Paige Becker's maturity, I think, is definitely better than Diana Taurasi's. And I, I honestly think that Paige Beckers and Diana Taurasi have a very similar style of play. It's explosive. They find the passing. They play good defense. They're, you know, they're consistent. They're your clutch player. See, I see Paige as more of a Brianna Stewart. See, Brianna, to me, like, wasn't quite as explosive. All right. And Maya Moore wasn't quite as explosive. That doesn't mean they weren't awesome because they're two of, like, the best players ever, like, <laughs> to play. But, you know... I- I just think her game is is more like DT. No. And but you know, DT is a freshman, her maturity level was like a zero. Because the reason why Connecticut didn't win the national title in two thousand one is because DT took a stupid shot and then had a stupid foul. Only you would remember that because I was at the game against. <laughs> it was against Notre Dame in the semi in the semifinals at the Final Four, and I really and that was Shay Ralph was on that team too, and I really think that was. That was probably one of the best UConn teams ever assembled. But she <laughs> kind of blew it for him. Like she got a little cocky. Like, she took a bad shot. She took a foul. Turned the ball over. I don't... I think Paige Becker's maturity is a, is a little higher than Diana's when she was a freshman. But DT's leadership is what sets her apart for me. But was DT a leader as a freshman? No, and I, I don't know. I don't know. So we pages. may we may be revisiting this conversation. I don't know. I just don't. If, think If we're still doing this, take. hopefully in a couple of years, we may be revisiting and saying she is the greatest. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think she is right now, but could she be? Maybe. I mean, that the you know she's nineteen years old. She's from Minnesota. She was always touted as a, a phenomenal basketball player. They also have. Um, is it AZ Fudd coming in next year? Oh, that kid's going to be she, crazy good. I think we might be having a conversation in a year and agreeing that she's See, the that, best that's player. that's the problem. UConn, they, they never have the a down ones. year. They're constantly reloading talent. Yeah. You know, it, she's... <laughs> is she better right now as a freshman than DT, Maya, and um, Brianna Stewart? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I just don't think so. But we also have to look at a couple other factors. Diana Tarazi was playing on an all-star team when she was a freshman. So, you know, they just come off a national title. They were also playing in the Big East at the time. And I think that's critical. The old Big East was tough. Was a hardcore league. We we are diehard Rutgers fans. And unfortunately, we had to play UConn twice in a season. And then we had to play them in the tournament. And then we sometimes we would get them in the NCAA tournament. But no matter how bad or good Rutgers was, it was always, it was a, always battle. a battle. Same with UConn. Didn't I, well, if they were really good, we got slaughtered. But yeah. But there was always a battle. The, the yep. Big East was not a pushover no. conference. And so that that's what I think we also have to take in consideration as well. Because Diana Tarazi Maimor played in the uh, Big East. The old Big East. The old Big East. The good Big East. You know, you had Rutgers, you had Penn State, you had Villanova. Um, help me, who else was in there? Louisville, uh, Syracuse. All these really, really good teams were in that conference. And then UConn pulls out and goes to the AAC, 
which is just not the same caliber as the Big East. Oh, yeah. Poor University. Well, can I just say that University of South Florida, oh. who were the big dogs in that conference, when they saw UConn come in their way, oh they God. were like, shit. Oh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> but so if you look at that and then you look at Brianna Stewart, because her career was through the AAC, right? So her career is through the AAC, and it, it's nothing against Brianna Stewart. I think she's a, an, an amazing, amazing player. I think she's one of the best in the world. You know, total national player level. International well, don't worry. I got, I got plenty of stats coming up on, on <clears throat> all these Stewart's players. Also, awesome. we can talk so, about that. You know, she plays in the AAC, right? Dominates. Um, I believe she has the most points in school history. No, Is she. Oh, no, she, she does, does not. not. Okay, anyway, she's number two. Okay, to Maya Moore. Yeah. Maya yep. Moore. Okay. Yes. Maya that Moore right. has three thousand and thirty-six points. Now, Maya Moore did that in the Big East. Yeah. Brianna Stewart has 2,676. DT's what, six? Diana Tarazi is ninth. She's ninth. She only averaged 15 points a game. So we have, so you've got Maya Moore is number one. Brianna Stewart's number two. Nafisa Collier is number three. Jeez. Wow. Tina Charles is number four. Uh Katie Lou Samuelson is number five. Kalina Moscata Lewis is number six. Nikesha Sales is seven. Carrie Bascom is number eight. And Diana Tarazi is number nine. And your favorite, Kara Walters, is number 10. <laughs> Thank you for rounding out the top 10. Oh, and number anyway. 11 is Rebecca Lobo. Okay. So, Brianna Stewart plays in the AAC. Maya Moore plays in, in the Big East. And then you have Paige Beckers, who comes in as a freshman. And this is the first year that UConn's back in the Big East. But the Big East it's the reduced level Big East. Yeah, like, I call it, like... It totally is. It's like the unleaded level of the Big East. <laughs> well, if you, you watched any of the Big East tournament, they just—I mean, it was it, there was it wasn't even a Villanova game. Any of the game. points, and and the thing is, like, in and Villanova stayed in the Big East, but th- this just shows like the the importance of being in a really strong conference. Well, this is why Paige Beckers is not going to win the National Player of the Year because she I agree. plays for the in the Big I East. I agree. I agree. And the Big East has not proved to be any more challenging than the AAC. Yeah, it's I. I yeah, I, I'm not sure if she's going to win any. So UConn has a plus thirty three point nine average margin of victory in Big East games. <laughs> now they were doing that. That's thirty. They, were, they win by an average of thirty three point nine points every Big East game. They were doing that against the Big East teams when DT and Maya Moore were there too. They were at some of those games because mm-hmm. usually sometimes it was only Rutgers and Louisville that could that could hang with them. And Notre, Notre Dame, when they were in the Big East, you know, that was a yeah. tough conference, Villanova. Oh, back in but, the day, yeah. But they were still beating teams by 25, 30 points now, easily. In Paige's three non-conference games against Power 5 opponents, Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina, and all of the SEC, she averaged 22.3 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. All right. Maybe she is the best. The Huskies' only loss was against Arkansas. We watched that game, remember? Uh, so non-conference games against top-rated teams like Louisville and Baylor were canceled because of COVID-19 issues. Um, but in terms of net, they're rated number two. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I think, though, the fact that they do play in such an easy conference, she's not going to win National Player of the Year. I believe that, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on her name. What school? 
That I'm blanking on as well. But I can picture wow, her. Wow, this is very helpful I can tonight. picture her in my head. <laughs> it's really helpful because I don't want to go there at all. I'm going to sit right here. Um, right here. South Carolina. Look, I mean. It's a team with a red uniform. That's, that helps. That's not helpful. <laughs> Maryland, Louisville. No, it's not Maryland. It's not Louisville. <laughs> Which Brenda Freeze just won the um, coach of the year for Big Ten. Well deserved. Yeah. Well deserved. I, I mean. They're my they're my sleeper. You can't I'm not, leave you know, Maryland I, I feel like in the beginning and middle of the season they were, but I feel like they've kind of faded yeah, a bit. They like to do that. Uh, you know, back. who you have to watch out for Stanford. Stanford and their their very quietness, um, the silent killers yes. of the West Coast. Yes, but so back okay, to so this back UConn to page thing. Backers. Sorry, back <laughs> to page backers. Look, you know, I mean, to me, what makes a superstar? You got to be able to handle the ball, create shots. You have to make shots. You had to make the shots you create. Like, I remember having a coach that said, why are you going to go through all that effort and throw up a shitty shot? Like, you got to make Is it a good shot. Is this the same coach that threw a chair? Yep. Okay. Um, you have to make free throws. Again, you know, that was my father saying, you're given a free opportunity to score points with no defense in front of you. You better make the free throws. He's right. And find your open teammates. And Paige and DT could do that. Absolutely. But I do think... I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year with her because that, to me, the sophomore season when DT walked in there and she had, you know, actually sophomore season was good. So it's her junior season. She walked in there and she had she had no Sue Bird, no Swin Cash, no Ace Jones. She had really no superstar core around her. Well, neither and does Paige Beckers. I, I know. Let me finish. Okay. So <laughs> so I'm interested to see what happens with Paige next year and how it compares to what DT did her junior and senior season. All right. Because I think that's going to be telling. Because as a freshman, yeah, you're scared. And even if you're a great player, you're still scared, other than Diana Tarazi, because she thought she owned the court all the time. And she proved that she did from her sophomore season on. And now. And now. That's what I mean. <laughs> to present day. <laughs> she owns the court. But I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see how that leadership plays a part. Because okay. that, to me, is what separates Diana Tarazi from everybody else that we could ever talk but about. I don't think Diana Tarazi's the greatest player to come out of UConn. You think it's Maya Moore. I think it's Maya Moore. See, and I... I if you, look, if you yeah. look at the stats... And Maya Moore was also a leader. Maya Moore was a leader. She was a leader. They won. I mean, she won two national champions, uh, four-time All-American, three-time winner of the Wade Trophy, two-time winner of the Wooden, Wooden and Naismith Awards, three-time Big East Player of the Year, and won the AP National Player of the Year twice. Um, she's a, She was a scoring nightmare in college as she holds the 10th all-time in scoring in NCAA Division I history as well as owns the UConn scoring uh, record with 3,036 points. And I just remember she went over, she went overseas. She went to China and played. And the first game she played in China, I think she dropped 80 points. Do you remember that? Yep. And I was like, I was like, if this woman isn't like the most incredible player ever to me, like Maya Moore is like a silent leader. She's not explosive. Like you watch a game and you watch Diana Tarazi go down the court and you're like, Oh man, Diana Tarazi has got 30 points. You look up at the board. She's got 30 points. Maya Moore. You're like, what does she have? 10. You look up at the board. She has 42. Well, I think that's the difference between the two of them for me. Maya Moore 
for her four years in Connecticut, she led the team in scoring in every year, uh, a feat no other player has accomplished at UConn. Uh, she owns three of UConn's 10 greatest single-game scoring performances. Um, and combined with Tina Charles, they were unstoppable. I mean, how many times did we watch them destroy Rutgers? <laughs> they destroyed uh, everybody. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I mean, she ha she only has two national championships uh, as compared to Brianna Stewart, who has see, four national championships. See, that, that, see, that's the American thing that kills me. It, well, wait, don't, I'm not done yet. on that. I'm don't not done yet. <laughs> Brianna Stewart is the only UConn player to win three Naismith Awards, three AP National Player of the Years, two-time winner of the Wade Trophy, three-time AP All-American, three-time AAC Player of the Year, two-time winner of the Wooden Trophy. Uh, she is the most decorated uh, UConn player. Yeah, I really like her. I really, I really like Brianna Stewart. It's just a different game style. I mean, play. she helped UConn win a national championship in her freshman year. That's true, because without Brianna Stewart and her play in the the uh, Final Four, because I remember even going into that, it was like, oh, can she really step it up? And that's when you can see greatness is when players can step it up even more in those critical those critical moments. My God, you have more stats. UConn was undefeated in her freshman year, I believe. Probably. She probably only lost two games in her career. Over, oh no! Overall, she had a hundred and fifty-one to five. Wow, record. five! So she had five losses. Wow! How do you go four years as college? That like that's insane. That's Brianna Stewart. I mean, for me, I think the greatest player to come out of UConn is a toss-up between Maya Moore and Brianna Stewart. My God, I, you have DT down lower. I lean more towards Brianna Stewart. Uh, I know. I love DT. I I get what you're look, saying. She has swagger. Here's the thing. But I think DT had yes, amazing college career. But I think she's the greatest WNBA player and international and international how she has four gold medals so if you look at career wise it's dt if you look at career wise it's dt but you look purely at college it's maya moore or brianna stewart and i'm putting my foot down on that one <laughs> and my big size 11 going down on that one lisa has spoken <laughs> this podcast is now over <laughs> all right we're finished yeah. <laughs> and we're done goodbye um Wow. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard to argue against that. I mean, here's the thing. When I kind of look at the the four players that we've talked about, Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore, Paige and Beckers. Paige Beckers. Which one do you want to walk into a board meeting with, with your bazooka? I know who I would take. I would take DT with me. Come on, DT. I mean, maybe it is that swagger. Maybe But it you're is basing that. it purely on swagger. I am. You know, you, you were like, oh, well, you're basing it on numbers. Well, you're basing it on <laughs> swagger. So I know, think you know who I, I I think really deserves to be part of this argument, who really is the UConn player of oh, all no. is Carrie Bascom. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> Bascom. Oh God. Uh, and that all goes back to Diana Tarazi thanking Carrie Bascom for <laughs> for days and in Yukon history. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, or, I don't or, know. I, I just the, I just have... I, don't I'm, forget about Svetlana Abrasimova. Who I never thought left. Like no, I she thought, never graduated. I No, but I felt like every... I was like, oh, well, she's a senior now. And I'd look, she's a sophomore. I'm she like, played from 98 to 2001. When yeah. it, it seemed like she played for a decade. For like, yeah. 
I'm like, why does she always hit so many three pointers? Yeah, because she's European. She's yeah. Russian. She yeah, she was great. I liked her too. I mean, if you looked at the, they just had the NBA All Star game. The guys that won the skills competition were European. European. Yeah. So, anyway. So yes. So you know, I'm not there yet on the page. Beckers is the best player to come out of UConn. No, not at all. But in a year, we might be having a different conversation. But I, I'm. Man, I don't know, man. DT. I mean, I, I think you could say that <sighs> it's hard the for best backcourt duo was DT and Sue Bird. Oh, well, yeah. But that's backcourt duo. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love them all. I love Brianna Stewart and Maya Moore, Diana Tarazi. I, I love them all. And I'm, I'm just, Paige, I'm sure I'll grow to love you as, as well. I mean, I, I have no problem with them anymore because they're no longer in our conference. Yeah. I... I I used to hate UConn oh, with yeah, a passion. You're in our conference. Do That's you why remember I like Tom Brady now? He's not in my conference. Do you care. remember we were at the UConn Rutgers game, which in New Brunswick, which was always filled with UConn play, uh, UConn fans. <laughs> this is when you almost got new fights, and I almost got into a fight with a <sighs> middle-aged. Well, I'm middle-aged. So um, you, now you're middle-aged. You weren't at the time. Hey, she started it. Uh, she butted in my conversation. Well. Anyway, Lisa did not get beaten up, and I—I <laughs> I would have beaten her up. I would have—I dra- dragged her out of there. Um, yeah, it. Yeah, UConn is is just the dynasty, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the tournament because this is their first year back in the Big East, which is you know step up in a conference to the AAC. Because Barely. It's there are so many good teams. Like you have Stanford, who to me is always the silent assassin. Like no one ever talks about Stanford, probably because they're on the West Coast. I'm not really sure why, but well, they're—I mean—they're not really on national TV either. They're not, and you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, UConn," and then Louisville's gotten a lot of press this year. You Louisville, I—I um, I was really keen on Louisville, yeah, but I they, feel like they're fading. They, they faded. They kind of fell apart. Yeah, they peaked too early. Baylor is another one. South Carolina's playing well. Texas A&M's playing well. It's going to be really interesting to see how UConn does against these higher caliber teams where they have to play one after the other, after the other, mm-hmm. after the other, because they haven't had that this year. And that's the advantage of having a tough conference is you're, you're every other day you're playing against a team that you could play in the tournament. Like you're, they're just not getting that. Like Rut- Rutgers left the big East and went to the, the, the big 10 they which, could, and they could have seven teams yeah, in the big, the big the, 10 is no joke. And I think that playing in the big 10 has made Rutgers better. Oh, Totally. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, Maryland, who was in uh, the ACC. ACC, they went to the Big Ten, and I think they've gotten better. Yep. I mean, they've always been good, but I think they've gotten better yep. since joining the Big Ten. The Big Ten is, no joke, crazy yeah. competitive. Iowa, Rutgers, Maryland. Who else you got? Well, um, you've got... Ohio State, Michigan oh. State. Michigan, Minnesota, yeah, Northwestern. Yeah, I'm trying to think who's going into the tournament. Well, I, yeah, I'm, it's uh, these six or seven teams could go into the tournament, but it it's it's is going to be interesting to see what happens with the UConn, and I think this is really going to be a test with Paige Beckers and how she can handle the pressure of playing against teams of this high caliber. Well, she did that though. I mean. Yeah, yeah, but I, it wasn't I, back to back to back. All right. I that's mean, my point. And when you get to the tournament, it's a totally different animal. All right. Like, and that's where, that's where DT excelled because if there's any player that I'm going to. not her gonna, freshman year. No, she totally. <clears throat> not her freshman she year. She totally screwed up her freshman year. Um, but it's okay because she redeemed herself. But that's, that's where your great players excel. Like Brianna Stewart. Like, and, and Maya Moore, their freshman year. Yeah. They, they excelled. They excelled. I, I mean. So. 
I just, you know, I look at Stewie's career. I look at her numbers. I look what she what she accomplished in college. It, it's hard not to say she is the greatest. I mean, it's really hard not to pick her. And then you've got Maya Moore. Same thing. It's hard not to to say she's the greatest. And if she, if she was still playing, I think it would yeah, might she be just easier to say she just announced she's not going to play, gonna again, play this again this year. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, you know, more power to you. But um. Yeah, so that's that's where we are with uh, UConn basketball, and the NCAA tournament is going to be hosted in San Antonio this year. All oh, and uh, something interesting, Notre Dame women are not going to make the tournament this year, and I think it's the first time in 21 years they haven't made wow. the tournament. Yeah. 2000 was the first year they made the tournament? You know, that could be right. When did they win the championship? 2001. Yeah. So yeah, it's something like 21 years that wow. they haven't missed a tournament and they're not going to make it That's this incredible. Year. But I mean, look at the men. There's teams that might not make it, like Duke. Duke. <laughs> you know? They ain't going to make it this year. Uh, you know, uh, speaking about the, the tournament, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's a team, uh, California Baptist, their, mm-hmm. their women's basketball team. So they had a 62-46 win over Seattle University uh, to become the first team since 2018 and 24th team since 1982 to finish the regular season undefeated. Wow. So they went the whole season, didn't lose a game. Uh, they will not be able to enter the NCAA tournament, even if they win the WAC tournament, which they're the number one seed. Why? I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so California weird. Baptist University uh, is in year three of a four-year transition phase to become an official Division One school. Uh, so the Lancers left Division Two in 2018, which means they are not eligible for an NCAA tournament in any sport until the 2022-2023 make season. Any sense. As the conference's regular season champions, they are set to play in the WAC semifinals. On, um, and if they advance, win the championship game uh, this Saturday, mm-hmm. they're going to be the first team since the 2017-2018 UConn Huskies to go undefeated wow. and win a conference title. Wow. Uh, if they do win the conference title, they'll be the first undefeated team since 1983 Okay. Uh, not to make the tournament. Wow. Uh, they so, do. They have postseason plans. I know. They, I think that's a really stupid rule. That if you're transitioning, if you're going up a conference, why the hell can't you play in the tournament? That doesn't make any sense. Well, they have plans. They're going to play in the women's uh, NIT because they're not going to make the tournament. That's so the WAC conference, uh, Utah Valley, they finished second. Um, they're going to take the automatic bid. To the tournament. I still think it's stupid. If you're moving up a division, you're moving up a division to higher caliber play, and you're undefeated for an entire season in your conference, you can't go to the NCAA tournament for that division because you're on a probationary period. You can obviously play Division One. <laughs> like, I, I, that's stupid. It is. I agree. Another sad thing is that uh, part of the... Uh, transition to become a division one uh, school is that the statistics are not recognized by the NCAA, which means that California Baptist senior guard, uh, Ann Olata, her 7.7 assists a game is not recognized as best in the nation. She is best in the nation for assists and she's not recognized. 
You're moving up a division. <laughs> they, they can obviously play. Oh, that's stupid. That's so they stupid. went. They went twenty-two and zero with a sixteen and zero conference record. They basically dominated the the WAC. This is stupid. They outscored conference opponents by NCAA. an average of eighteen point six points a game. NCAA needs to get their act together. I, like, I this agree is with ridiculous. you. Like, and the fact that this poor girl leads the nation. In assists. She can obviously play Division One. Oh my so, god. I see what you're saying. Like if they were transitioning from Division One to Division Two. Totally probationary absolutely. period. Absolutely. But this team is going Division Two to Division One. And there's a big difference in Huge. play between Huge. the two divisions. You're talking full scholarship to partial scholarship players. That's that's a huge difference in athletics. I you know, being an athlete. That's a big difference. It's a big <laughs> difference when you have players that are that good that they can get full rides to go to school and you play you're used to be playing against players that maybe got half scholarships or maybe five of the members got scholarships and the, the other nine players didn't get scholarship. That that is night and day talent different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's uh, to me I, I get it, I get it you have to have rules, but I feel if you're like- moving up <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make why i don't understand i i, I don't get it That's i feel stupid. for them i mean they're making the best of it they're gonna play in the the wnit i hope they win I the hope wnit they, win. they are my the team i'm cheering for in the wnit so should we put a couple bucks down <laughs> california baptist california baptist <laughs> i'll tell you what if they win it i hope that they just walk over to the ncaa wherever they are now are they still in overland kansas i think i don't know and just how do know that i don't know okay i I have random information in my head um anyway (laughs) next week next week we do want to talk about the new mexico lobos women's basketball team because they i believe they only played two home games this season and they they won their conference so pretty sure they won their conference. Ninety nine percent sure they won their. Conference. I don't know. We'll talk about but it anyway. Next week. We'll talk about it next week. But, but we're we're excited that you know March Madness is here, basketball is here. Um, the women will play all their games in San Antonio. I think I already mentioned that the, the men, men are, are in, playing all their yeah. games in Indianapolis. I know that the women aren't going to have any fans for first and second rounds, and then they're going to allow x number of percent of fans in. Well, they're playing in Texas. Texas, yeah, but, they, is but it's open. not going to be a hundred percent. Okay. That I definitely know. Uh, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4 will ha- we'll have some number of fans. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis, um, I believe they're having a, a certain percentage of number of fans for every, for first, second round, and Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4. So it, it's good that they're, you know, that they're bu- kind of putting them all in a bubble and protecting them and, and trying to get a tournament going on. Because last year, for both men and women, I, I felt like it was the most open um, for both sides. Oh my God! And Last year was a heartbreaker because can I tell you that Rutgers men have not made the tournament since 1991. I think this might be the fourth time you've mentioned this. On well, the I'm podcast. mentioning again. <laughs> this is now five. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm broken up about it, and they would have made it last year. Well, they're gonna make it this year. They should make it this year. I mean, I know the the women are gonna make it this year. I think the men should make it. Well, I guess we'll find out. We'll, we'll find, find out. out soon enough. But NCAA, come on, give California Baptist a chance. It's stupid. It is stupid. That's uh, a dumb rule. <laughs> it's really dumb. Really I've, dumb. I I wish I had like a button I could hit that would just be like dumb. Yeah, you need actually. We may have to work on that. A but, soundboard. Yeah, we need a dumb soundboard. Anyway. So that's our wrap on women's basketball for this week. We'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about New Mexico Lobos next week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they're uh they're a very cool team, New Mexico Lobos. They're they're very cool. So, Are they named after Rebecca Lobo? No, they're not. Okay, <clears throat> I believe it's uh, Lobo is a wolf. I think it's a wolf. Yeah. in is it in Native American? I don't or know. Spanish. I've never been to New Mexico. I it's don't. It's awesome. Know. I like New Mexico. I, I've only ever there. seen New Mexico and Breaking Bad. That's not what it looks like at all. But anyway, <laughs> there's no like meth hanging around. There could be. There could be. There's a lot of open space. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> moving on to our next topic. Um, quick discussion on the NFL. Uh, we've had some, uh, a few things kind of go on this past week um, or two weeks. Um, J.J. Watt, did we see that at all? Arizona? No, Arizona came out of left field for J.J. Watt. They paid a lot of money. And he's not worth it. I'm... I'm on the fence if he's worth it. I really am. I, he's don't very get injury me wrong. Prone. Don't get me wrong. I love J.J. Watt. I think he's an amazing guy. What he did for the city of Houston after the, the terrible flooding was amazing. Um, but the fact is, I don't think he's played a complete season in past two seasons, three seasons. Time. He's injury prone. He's getting older. He's in his 30s, early 30s. Um I think he's, you know, he's an asset to any team, but I think they paid a little too much money for him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not buying that. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, I think, I think there's a, there's a strong discussion like is he hall of fame worthy is he not hall of fame worthy does he deserve this kind of money like i I think we could go on for days um about that but i i feel like i feel like what he's his injuries have kind of you know i feel like a lot of people got injured in houston maybe it was a program in houston well their program was i I don't know like i don't know i mean like you look at like if we switch gears to baseball to the mets how many of the mets players got hurt then they went to other teams and were like MVP. So well, that was because really of good. that trainer. Yeah, but who's gone. But who's to say it's not a similar thing going on down in Houston? So I don't know. I to me, I feel like they pay too much. Um, I feel like he's a little injury prone. Um, I know that uh, there are a couple other teams that offered him. I think Green Green Bay. I know Buffalo offered him a flat amount and said we're not budging from this, and it was not obviously not as much as Arizona was willing to pay. So. I don't I, you know. know, I thought, I, I thought he would go to a team that had a chance at a Super Bowl because that's I did too. You know, he's missing. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought that that was going to be his motivating factor. I thought so, and it, it def- obviously wasn't because I don't think Arizona is in a position to go to a Super Bowl. No, I don't. But think so. you never do know. I mean, they're not there yet. They're not. They're they're not at that point. It's yet. A two year deal, right? Yeah. So. Now, someone who did deserve the money that he just got was Dak Prescott. It's about time that Dak Prescott got the respect that he uh, should have gotten after his horrific leg injury. So he got a four-year deal worth at least $160 million. It's about time, Cowboys. Here's the thing with Dak Prescott that um, that I think is, is important to note. His numbers, his numbers are good. He's a very good quarterback. But it was so obvious what him being on the field did for that team that sometimes you just you just have to pay the players the money that they deserve 
for that purpose. Well, and I, I would disagree with that. I, I have uh, five reasons why he deserves that money based on his play. Okay. So Go. he's the third player with 100 plus touchdown passes and 20 plus rush touchdowns in the first five years. He's tied for second most game winning drives in the first four years. Tied for most 100-plus passer rating games in first four years. The Cowboys are 31-3 and when Prescott has 100-plus passer rating. And he has the sixth highest touchdown-to-interception ratio in NFL history. So he has a 2.65 touchdown-to-interception ratio in his career, which is the sixth highest in NFL history among quarterbacks. The only ones who are higher than him are Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Deshaun Watson. And they all have enormous contracts. So, yes, I agree with you on the fact that he's a team leader, and that was pretty obvious last season when he got hurt, but his numbers don't lie. His numbers say, I deserve this contract. Okay. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you have that. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. I mean, his numbers are very, are very good, but... Do we go back to the American way? What the hell have the Cowboys done in the postseason? Nothing. They, have they even made the postseason when he's been there? I honestly can't remember. So, I mean, but can they? Win? I, I think they can make a postseason. I think if they had, if they would have had Dak last season, they would have made the postseason. You think that was the team? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they would have won a Super Bowl, but I think no. they would have made the postseason. Okay. Um. And we, we saw how the team just crumbled after he got injured. He really did. That was I mean, incredible. They kind of looked to Ezekiel Elliott to be the leader, and he just couldn't do it. It's just not his role. I mean, he didn't look great last year either. No. He was out of shape. Yeah, that that that's a whole other story, Ezekiel Elliott. Because I, I, I wonder what's going on there. Because he, he has that huge He's contract. He's a head case. And, well, we don't know that, but he could be. I think he gets kind of stuck in his head, and I think he couldn't take the pressure. And, and, you know, if when you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott and you have receivers that can catch the ball, it opens up the run game. And that is he didn't have that last year. It was the run game. And everybody knew that. So he was getting beat up a lot, too. So that, yeah. you know, they, that could both be a factor, too. Well, I mean, back to, to Dak Prescott. So it came out what was holding up the deal for him signing a deal for those couple of years. Okay. Um. He wanted a no tag clause and a no trade clause, mm. and the Cowboys weren't willing to give that to him until now. Wow! So he now has a no tag and no trade clause. Wow! Okay. I think Dak and his team they played it perfectly. You know, but they Who's his uh, who was his agent? You know, I'm not really sure. It, uh, what's his name? Scott Boris. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, but the fact that the Cowboys sort of fell apart after he got injured. It couldn't have played any better for Dak to get what he wanted. But yeah, that's what held it up was the no tag, no trade. Okay. So I'm glad that he got what he wanted. The salary cap was set at $182.5 million yesterday on yes. Wednesday. It's a drop of nearly $16 million from the previous year. That's due to COVID. Exactly. And it's going to go back up once life returns to normal. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of teams that still need quarterbacks. I think the Bears, the Saints, and the Patriots. It's going to be interesting to see if there's some trading going on because of the In my opinion, the Bears are in an unfortunate situation and desperate. 
they need a major upgrade at quarterback, and the options are pretty limited. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Ben Roethlisberger, they're all off the table. Cam Newton's available. So (laughs) so who's left? Uh, Cam Newton. So Jameson Winston, right? Well, according to sources, they they're willing to throw a boatload of picks at the Texans to get to Sean Watson. Um, They're also willing to throw a ton of picks to Seattle for Russell Russell Wilson. Wilson. Now, I mean, I think either of those guys would be amazing in Chicago. I don't know if they're going to want to go to Chicago or. The thing is, Russell Wilson, like his biggest complaint with Seattle was that he was getting beat up a lot. And I feel like in Chicago, that's not going to change. You, you uh, don't think they, so? I mean, I thought they Oh, no, good. they do have a good O-line. Yeah. Who am I thinking of it? Um, well, Vegas, he'll get, he'll probably get beat up a little bit. Yeah. I still see him going to Vegas. I'm sorry. Sierra's going to have her her Tuesday, Thursday, in between Celine Dion, Vegas show, and Russell's going to play in Vegas. I think they fit in Vegas. Um, I mean, it, it came out that it's possible that Russell Wilson's wants out of Seattle, and he feels a little slighted because... You have all these great quarterbacks of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and then it was supposed to, supposed to be Russell Wilson's turn to take the spotlight. And then it jumps to Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Kyle and, Murray. And, you know, he's skipped over. And it's like, okay, you know, I didn't think Russell Wilson was that way. But if that's what he's thinking, how can he not go to Vegas? And to be in the Vegas light? Would you go to Chicago or Vegas if you well, if you had that kind of a mind? Just look at the history of the Bears and that football tradition, and the fans of Chicago have been dying for a winning team since the the Super Bowl shuffle in 1985. And they have they I mean they have Robinson, they've got Montgomery, so they, they've got their, a good offensive set. Their they defense need, is fantastic. They need a quarterback and another receiver. They, they need a major upgrade at quarterback. I, I like Mitch Trubisky, but he's just not it. He's a backup quarterback. If. If. He's a... Um, um. I mean, anybody who drafts that high a quarterback from North Carolina... Yeah. Into playing Chicago. I mean, I also, I also look at my Giants who drafted a Duke quarterback at six. These are basketball teams, not football teams. Do not draft a <laughs> quarterback that high. That's a good point. Tobacco Road like, is wasn't, known for basketball. Wasn't Trubisky drafted like number two, he was number one? one? I thought. Yeah. I thought he was one From North Carolina. Yeah, that's not that What smart. is North Carolina and Duke known for? Basketball. Basketball. They're not known for football. Yeah, that's anyway. true. Um, but yeah, so the salary cap. So we had a couple quarterbacks that um, teams that need some quarterbacks. There are a lot of um, edge pass rushers out there. There's some good safeties out there that still need to get picked up. Um, some A few good wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown, were both cut. So I, I wonder which teams are going to pick them up. I was really I was disappointed the Bills got rid of John Brown. I thought he was a nice um, addition with Cole Beasley. But, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Well... Not a lot of offensive linemen out there. It's pretty I, slim pickings. I, I think the draft is decent for some offensive line. I think a big move that's going to be made, the Giants are going to sign wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Wow. You really think he's going to go with the addition of Jared Goff? You think he he's going to go? He didn't get the franchise tag no. for, the, for the Lions. Uh, there's 
two teams that really want him, the Giants and the Dolphins. Um, he's going to hit the open market. If he goes to the Giants and Daniel Jones can't improve as a quarterback, Daniel Jones has to go. That's fine, but I still want Galladay. Oh, yeah, no, but I'm saying Galladay, he's an amazing receiver. He's one of those receivers that's not talked about enough because I, I think because he plays in Detroit. And, I mean, he didn't play most of the last season. No. But he he's an exceptional receiver. In 2018 and 2019, he logged one, uh, consecutive 1,000-yard yeah. seasons. Yeah, he's, he's a great receiver. But, you know, if Daniel Jones can't hit him, then... Miami you know. is also really interested because they want... See, that's... that's they, they want another weapon for Tua. Yeah, and I, I think that makes that makes more sense to me than, than the Giants. But unless the Giants well, we throw a lot of money... don't have any wide receivers. Yeah, but if the Giants throw a lot of money at him, maybe he'll go there. But I could see Miami. I mean, Miami's poised to really make a push in the postseason next next year. I think they're, they're really poised. They're going to get past the Bills. Um, I think it's going to be Miami Buffalo duking it out. Absolutely. Well, don't forget about the uh, the Patriots. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to have another rebuilding year for the Patriots. We have one more year of the AFC East not having the well, Patriots in the one gonna slot. Here's what's going to happen. I think uh, the 49ers, they, it seems like they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go back to the Patriots because he was groomed to be Tom Brady's replacement. And then because Belichick didn't want him to go, but Brady did, he was shipped off to the 49ers. I think Garoppolo is going to head back to the Patriots. I don't see it this year. I don't see it this year. But it's the Patriots. I think San Francisco is going to keep him for another year. I think, I mean, the Patriots weren't good this season because of Cam Newton, I think. (laughs) I mean, you saw it. He couldn't throw. uh, He he couldn't run the ball. He couldn't. Yeah, I felt bad for Cam. He needs to retire. Really? Yeah. I think he's going to play with another team. I That's, think he's going to do one more shot. I really do. Maybe uh, he goes to Houston. You know. Because uh, Sean will be gone. So, that, I mean, back to Chicago and the, the whole, you know, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. I mean, what about Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo? Are those upgrades to Mitch Trubisky? Yes. Yeah. You know, the Patriots are ready to spend. The Jaguars can spend. I think the Jags have the most cap space. Washington, they don't need a quarterback, though. No, but I'm just talking in general. Washington, Miami, and Carolina all have money to spend. The Bills and the Colts, they're, you know, Colts were my sleeper last year. Yeah. They only need a couple pieces, and I think we've got your AFC championship game. I think you've got Indianapolis versus Buffalo. What for about Kansas to- City? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Hey, I don't see it. Who was the only one that said that Tampa Bay was going to beat I know, Kansas City I know. in the Super Bowl? And that's why I'm saying I don't think Kansas City is going to do anything. I, I just, uh, I don't know. Um, they've got to make some moves. They have to make some changes. They've, they've got to, they have to get another good running back. Because when Alaire gets hurt, that's it. They don't have a running game. They have nothing. And they've got to work on their defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is definitely Tom Brady just shredded their defense. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. But I mean, they do have good defense, but it's just not. I don't know. They, I don't know what happened. But anyway, um, Colts and the Bills are, are kind of my two that I think if they get a couple of pieces, I think that they're gonna they're gonna be our AFC um, championship game next year. I don't see it. I don't see the Colts. I don't think Carson Wentz is gonna do it for them. 
I think Carson Wentz is going to have a resurgence in Indianapolis. Don't He's see under it. Frank Wright, who he was under in Philadelphia when he actually played almost a full season and did really well. Because when they won the Super Bowl, he took them to what game 12, 13, and he was what eleven and one, eleven and two. So I feel like I feel like Carson Wentz. He wants to prove himself. I think he's a competitor. I think he's going to fit. He fits into that Indianapolis system like butter. So I, I think I really think Indianapolis is is going to be your. It's going to be Indianapolis Buffalo is your top two AFC teams. It's not going to be Pittsburgh. I can tell you that much. No, no. <laughs> Roethlisberger signed for. <clears throat> he's staying for another year. Yeah, and they've um, lost other. They've lost other players. They're old. They're getting old. They are old, and I don't understand. I mean, well, it's not like they have anybody that can come in and replace Roethlisberger. They got to draft somebody. They've got to draft somebody. Was it Mason Rudolph as their backup? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. They got to draft somebody. No. Definitely. The Carolina Panthers, do you think Deshaun Watson's going to head there? I still, I'm still on that train. I know you are. I'm still on the Deshaun Watson, the Carolina train. Cam Newton goes to Houston. (laughs) Why would they want Cam Newton? I don't know. Because he runs like Deshaun? I don't know. He can't throw the ball. I know. <laughs> well, Deshaun couldn't either last year. What the hell? Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, but Carolina also has a number eight pick in the upcoming draft. I think they're going to give it to Houston. Well. I think they're giving it to Houston. This draft, I think, is the year of the quarterback. Yeah. And Zach they, Wilson. Zach Wilson's going to be now, your two. Well, here's a thought. The Jets have the second pick. Do the Jets trade down with Carolina for the eighth pick, um, giving Carolina the second pick, and the Jets get a bunch of picks. They need to rebuild. Why not take a bunch of picks instead of the second pick? Because you know they get a quarterback. They don't have a team around him. I, I'm not opposed to that. I think I, I think it would make sense for the Jets to do that because, it, as you said, they have to build. They, they need everything. Everything. And if they put a young quarterback in there behind that offensive line, oh my God. It's going to be Joe Burrow. It's going to be uh, Geno Smith. It's going to be Mark Sanchez. <laughs> I mean, these were very good quarterbacks that couldn't produce because they just didn't have a system around them. But I agree, it is going to be like Joe Burrow's where you 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 know draft this great quarterback and then you put them in a position where they just cannot succeed. By not having any sort of offensive line, you're putting your quarterback in a position where you can't succeed, mm-hmm. period. Especially a, a young rookie quarterback. The game is so much faster than in college. You know, you, you hear rookies talk about that in interviews. At every at every level, it's faster. And the guys are stronger and they're bigger. And, okay, I'm going to shove Zach Wilson in there and say, okay, throw the ball. Yeah, you have 1.3 seconds to release the ball, <laughs> which I think Zach Wilson would fit in nicely in Carolina. Zach, I think Zach Wilson would fit in a lot of places. Just I'm not the Jets. Very, very high on Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. Um, I mean, without a doubt, Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. That's a given. He's going to the Jags. Um, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields will be the next one picked. I'm I'm going with Zach Wilson as the next. I agree with picked. that. I agree. Justin Wilson will be. I'm sorry. Justin Fields, Fields. will be the third quarterback. <laughs> at, pick. at least the third. Uh, you know, you got um, Mac Jones in there too, right? Mac Jones. You have Trey Lance. I see Mac Jones with the Patriots. 
Um, or Pittsburgh. I could see Carolina taking a chance on him with the eighth pick. I think they're going to take Zach. I think I think a trade with the Jets would make sense. I'm telling you, Carolina's going to have Deshaun Watson, so I don't even know why I even said that. Well, because we're talking <laughs> about the draft. <laughs> they're getting Deshaun Watson. <laughs> All right. I mean, who knows? I mean, he might stay with the Texans. Oh, my God. I mean, they got... Get out your popcorn if he stays with the Texans. Well, they got rid of... It their coach they got rid fun. of their upper mid- level management he was promised he was promised now i understand like you know promises promises but he was promised he's a very very unhappy player he I walks into the owner's office and says whatever coach you're gonna pick i want to be a part of the process yeah 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 yeah. Well, no who's problem, he think no he pro- is, tom brady yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no problem you know, I'm your quarterback. I'm your guy. Make your part of make me part of the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Deshaun, we just hired this guy. I mean, come on, get out the popcorn if he stays in Houston because it is going to be a cluster. Well, the thing is, Houston doesn't have to trade him. No, they no they don't. They don't. And if they want to trade him to a team he doesn't like, he doesn't have to go. So, do we see all these pieces working? to trade him here's the thing i'm telling you if they if they keep him if they keep him he is absolutely it, it's going to be a cluster it's going to be really fun to watch i think because i i think he's a really good quarterback i just think he's in a really bad system oh yeah so and i'm not sure that this new coach can fix the system fast enough for deshaun watson you also lost like your team leader yeah and they traded away deandre did last year yeah. They got rid of his number one target last year to For Arizona. Nothing. nothing. That was a ridiculous trade. That that one that should have been like red flags for what was going well, on that in was, Houston. Yeah, I mean that was all because of that guy that got um somehow made his way all the way to the top and he had like no experience. He was a youth pastor. Oh yeah. Remember that remember that story in Sports Illustrated? Yep. I do remember that. Yeah, no, Deshaun Watson's not going to be happy if he stays in Texas. I know, that's what I mean. Get your popcorn. It's going to be a but lot of fun. They may not, they may not want to trade him. They may say, you know what? You're not going to push us to trade you. You're staying here. You know, it, there's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place for, for this to happen. Yeah, well, we'll see. Things can happen. Yeah, it was for David Johnson. That's right. Yep. It was for David Johnson and then the Texans... The Cardinals send the Texans a second round pick in the 2020 draft and a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft. Cardinals receive a fourth round selection from Houston in 2020 draft. So, it was, yeah, it it was I just remember it being If it was ridiculous. fantasy sports that trade was happening. Oh, people would have been vetoing it. Yeah, it would have been vetoed. It would have been vetoed, definitely. Definitely. So, are we, you have anything else on NFL? Are we pretty good on NFL? I think our, we are good with the our NFL. lovely discussion on the NFL. I, I have and, a little bit to talk about with the NHL. NHL, NHL. I have a few things to talk about. I have a few things, but you go first. Thank you. <laughs> I'm being kind. Um. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tom Wilson, plays for the Capitals. Oh, Tom. Bang him up, knock him down. He's a straight Dirtiest up thug. player in hockey. Wilson, can I tell you? I am so happy he was suspended for ten games for that hit he put on on Boston's Brandon Carlo. 
That hit was, you know, Carlo was headed for the puck and near the boards. Wilson hit him in the head and upper body. It was a total he cheap shot. lifted shop. him off. I think he was lifted off yeah, his skates. Carlo's head was down, so he didn't even know Wilson was coming at and him. And his back was at him. He was down in his back. He had no clue. Yeah. So I'm so happy he got suspended for 10 games. It should be more than 10. Now this That's is, just my opinion. This is Wilson's fourth suspension in his oh NHL career. His last suspension was for 20 games in 2018. He needs to be kicked out. But wait, wait, wait. So his last suspension was 20 games in 2018. It was a really bad hit on St. Louis's uh, Oscar Sundquist in the head during a preseason game. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? Come on, Tom. This guy, all he does is he goes for the head, especially when the target is in a vulnerable position. The dude's a straight-up thug. I'm happy he got suspended for 10 games, but you know what? He needs to be suspended for more. He needs to be out. Like, who puts... He needs to kick him out. Who puts a vul- a hit, a bad head, hit to the head on a vulnerable player in preseason? It's preseason. It's, it's reminiscent of the NFL, like, eight, ten years ago when we had all those targeted hits and then they put in all these rules and started fining all these players and kicking them out and we see way less targeted hits. Like, look, hockey is a physical sport. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be dirty hits. But when you do it where you're suspended 30 games in the past, what, three seasons, two and a half seasons, uh, dude, when you're consistently, when you're known for hitting guys in the head when they're in a vulnerable vulnerable position near the boards, that's your signature hit. That's danger. That's danger. Like, I am all for hard-hitting play. Like, I love when there's hard hits in hockey. But I don't want to see guys badly hurt, brain Nobody damaged. Nobody wants to see can, that. I don't want to see that. Nobody I, I does. Don't, like, I am all for a hard hit to the body. Great. Hit him hard against the boards. Fantastic. Don't aim for the head. Don't target the head. And when they're in a vulnerable position. When, as Carlo was, his head was down because he was going for the puck. And his back was to him, I and think. And his back. I yeah, think it you're was, right. The whole thing was bad. I remember seeing the hit going, oh my God, is he alive? Thankfully, he was able to leave the ice under his own power, but it was he, he suffered a pretty bad concussion. Now, I remember we saw a game in New Jersey and it was uh, Travis Zajac. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I remember it was Travis Zajac was because his wife and <laughs> their three, two, two kids, two at, the kids time. at the time, son and daughter were sitting in front of us. And they all had Zajac jerseys. Yep. So we knew that it was Travis Zajac's wife, family. And I remember he took a hit and he took a header into the board. Do you remember this? And he mm-hmm. hit the top where the glass meets the, the board and like ripped up his face. And I remember you and I were both saying, how is that not a dirty hit? Because it was the same thing. He was in a vulnerable position. He was looking down at the puck and somebody came up from behind and took him out. Like kind of almost tripped him. He, yeah. Th- I think the difference with that one was he was sort of moving towards the puck with mm-hmm. the other player. Whereas this one, Carlo was practically standing still. Uh, and also Wilson wasn't going for the puck. Correct. He was Correct. going for Carlo's head. Yep. Like... I get it. They're going to run into each other going for the puck. But this wasn't... He wasn't targeting the puck. He was no, targeting... No, he was targeting him. And that's that's the difference. And the, the Boston Bruins players had a lot to say <laughs> after the game about it. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I think that this uh, is dangerous. Like you could, you could paralyze somebody with the hits that Tom Wilson. Puts you could on kill people. somebody. You could. You could. I, I think we're gonna see uh, Boston next time they play the Capitals, and in oh, this, that'll be fun. That's got to be coming up pretty soon when he gets off his suspension, right? Yeah, and and with this new uh, way that the NHL is structured. They're going to play the Capitals a lot. <laughs> and, and I think there might be a little bit of retaliation. I know... A little bit? Pasternak I, was uh, shouting at him during the game. Marshawn was shouting at him during the game. Uh, I would put money on the puck doesn't even drop and gloves are dropped. I could see it. Like, remember when the, the Flyers did that hit on Yager? Yes. And then the, the, the next week they played um, Philly and New Jersey... And the puck didn't even drop, and there was a fight. I think there were three fights in the first two and a half minutes of the game. And, and I remember and, that game. I think it was Winnipeg, and it was another Canadian team. And puck didn't even drop, and they all started fighting each other. Do you remember that? I'm trying to think of it. Because that was recent. Yeah. I, I want to say it was Winnipeg-Vancouver. It could have been, yeah. It was not this season. Right, I'm currently looking up the Bruins schedule, because now I need to know when to get the popcorn. Does Brad Marchand go after Tom Wilson? You know, I don't. I'm not a Brad Marchand fan. Oh no, he's a road. But he (laughs) absolutely. I love the fact that he doesn't take crap from anybody, and he just goes right at him. So they don't play until April. Am I seeing that right? Bruins Capitals on April 8th. Everybody mark that down. Circle at 7 p.m. Get your popcorn ready because it is going to be on before the puck even drops so yeah so tom wilson i agree he should be kicked out of the league he's a thug he's a thug he should be kicked out of the league. um other news the calgary flames fired their head coach uh jeff ward they I, named daryl sutter their head coach am i the only one surprised by that like did i miss something with calgary so ward had just won the game against <laughs> ottawa se- seven to three and then he was fired um <laughs> <laughs> great job you're gone uh fired <laughs> the team was 11 11 and 2 um 500 uh he was hired the past off season after being an interim replacement for Bill Peters last oh, season. Oh, okay, yeah. Um Daryl Sutter, pretty impressive resume. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a good coach. 18 years of head coaching experience. Uh he won a Stanley Cup in 2012 and 2014 with the uh, L.A. Kings. 2014, that was the Devils, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was when they beat oh, the Devils 4-1. We to yeah, we were. It was really cool to be at a Stanley Cup game. That was fun, but, but the Devils man, lost. Yeah. That sucked. Um, so this makes this makes the... It's the fifth head coaching change for the franchise uh, since 2014. Yeah, they've had a lot. Well, they had that whole thing with the whole racial... Yeah, that racial piece, and wasn't there wasn't there a sexual harassment one in there too? I, I feel like every professional sports team has a yeah. sexual harassment suit I, somewhere. I, I guess with this firing, what surprised me? It's five hundred team. Um, maybe because we're Devils fans and we're used to hanging on the coaches that suck for a long time. John, John Hines, Hines. <laughs> um, who we we could have taken him out and we didn't. We could have <laughs> tripped him when he got off the elevator, but we chose yeah, not to. Yeah, a lot of friends that are Devils fans were disappointed in us. What's wrong with you guys? You guys had every opportunity. But now he's you know. Nashville's headache. Yeah, who now they're chanting the fire Hines. Yes. So we, anyway. we did that years ago, kids. <laughs> yeah, that's old. <laughs> that's old. Anyway, um, I, I just feel like it's it's really early unless there's... there. I feel like it's also 
it's tough to fire a coach oh. during a COVID-19 yeah, how season. How do you do that? Like, How do you fire anybody during COVID-19? I know. To me, that seems kind of rough. Especially but, I mean, with professional sports. The NFL did it, so. That's true. That's true. You but, know, yeah, just, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, Sutter, he's got a, yeah, a he's, great track he's record. He's a real good coach. He's good. So, I mean, I hope for the Flames, he brings some improvement. I mean, I guess the, fl- the Flames have been disappointing with the roster that they have. You know, they they have been maybe disappointing i mean they're what, 500 uh they're sitting in fifth place in the seven team division uh they're two points out of a i understand spot. why they he got fired then because if you look at the flames roster they should be up at the top they should definitely be up there it should be like edmonton montreal vancouver flames jets you know they should be up there but they're not but th- then the other thing the other argu- side of that argument is too that the northern division or as we call it the canadian division is so good <laughs> they're so well, good are they that good because oh, a lot of them dropped out the of these super 16 came out i saw and that there are three yes three southern hockey teams in the top five okay you've got um, tampa bay tampa bay you've got um carolina florida carolina so Tampa Bay's one, Carolina's three, Florida's number five. Six. Are, uh, Six. Islanders are five. Oh, I thought they were five. Yeah. Well, oh. whatever. Okay. But yeah, you have three Southern teams sitting there. <laughs> All you need is Dallas. I think the only there's only one Canadian team, I think, in the top five. Uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, no. They're not in the top. Toronto. No, Sorry. Yes, Toronto. Toronto but- and Edmonton are in the, the top 16. Uh, but that's it for the Canadian division. And so you've got Tampa Bay. You've got my Stanley Cup pick, Vegas. Well, Carolina, uh, Toronto, Islanders, Panthers, Caps, Bruins, which the Bruins, man. And then the Islanders, they're kind of like the like Stanford, silent assassins. Nobody's talking about Nobody them. talks about Nobody's them, and they're consistently about- good every year. Islanders are good, yeah. Uh, Jets, Jets are up there. So you have three, sorry. You have three Canadian in the top six. But when you have three U.S. Southern U.S. teams sitting in the top six, but you got Tampa Bay. They're they're the defending champs. I I see nothing wrong with that. I know, but it it's kind of a, a Florida kick Panthers. In, it's kind of a kick in the groin to Canada. Florida Panthers. And I think I just saw <laughs> the top fifteen scores in the NHL. Like thirteen of them are American. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's Suck surprising. It Canada. <laughs> it's surprising to me because well, I I still feel like the best hockey is in Canada though. What we've seen, well, because it's it's the most physical. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, Toronto though could be in some have some problems yes. because Austin Matthews has like a nagging wrist injury, and their uh, goaltender Jack Campbell is also hurt. Well, I'm I'm thinking next week Vegas is going to be dropping. Because uh, Flurry's on uh, the COVID nineteen protocol. Yeah, but isn't their backup goalie really good? He's okay, but because um, he was going to be the starter. Yeah, but he's out too, so they have another goalie oh. that's that's coming in. So Flurry's on the COVID nineteen protocol. This is a critical part of the year, <laughs> right here. This whole like mid March to early April, mm-hmm. this is a critical time because this is really where you're either gonna make or break the playoffs and where you're gonna fall within within the postseason. You know, Flurry gave up four goals. Apparently, wasn't feeling well on the game against Minnesota the other day. Um, 
he got pulled out and then he got put on COVID mm. protocol. So he's 12, 5, and 0. He's the best, the best at goals against 1.73, and he's stopping 94% of his shots. Yeah, he's having a, a resurgence this yeah, season. I love it because I always, I always thought he got the crappiest steal from Pittsburgh. Yeah, but I think he made go. out, though. Oh, totally. He seems pretty happy. Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm happy for him. But I, I don't see anybody taking out Tampa Bay. They've been number one. They, they haven't lost that number one Tampa spot. Tampa Bay and Vegas are my two. I still feel like... Vegas is going They're going to stay at number one until they give a, other teams a reason for them not to be number one. I mean, they're tops in the league in goals per game, goals mm-hmm. allowed per game, top five in power play, penalty kill efficiency, second best points percentage, and the best goal differential in the league. I know you don't like repeats, but I think this could be our repeat. No, I have to agree with you. I, I mean... Vegas, I think, is the only team that could beat them because they match up very, very well with Tampa Bay. No, on I, all four I, lines. No, I, I don't. I know I've said I don't like repeats, but in the NHL, there's a lot of repeats. There when it are. comes we to the Stanley Cup. We haven't. Well, the penguins. last one was the Penguins, right? That yeah. was a few years ago. But they've been kind of the last ones to do it. Yeah, but if you look at the history of the Stanley Cup, there's a lot oh, of repeats. yeah. Montreal, New York Islanders. Edmonton. Edmonton. Yeah. Well, that was Gretzky. If you don't win a bunch of Stanley Cups with Gretzky or something wrong, which Walter Gretzky passed away. Yes, that very, was very sad. sad. It was sad. The father of the hockey. quintessential hockey dad. Yep. But yep. And Edmonton has a patch on their or a sticker on their helmet. Yes. I think. Yes. I, I think they're and doing it says it for hockey the dad or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think I think Tampa Bay could repeat. Yes. I know. I've always said that I don't agree with repeats, I, I, but. Tampa Bay looks good. I just if they if they stay healthy and they keep playing the way they are, yep. And they're not playing in an easy conference. No, no, that Southern Conference yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dominate the top sixteen. I don't know. There's something. That, I mean, there's something wrong when you've got Toronto winning basketball championships and Tampa you Bay have winning Tampa hockey. Bay winning hockey championships. It's totally backwards. It, it's, it's totally just, backwards. It, it's like we're living in the upside down world on Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> but hey here's here's additional positive news with the nhl they've already come out and said that as if things continue the way that they're going 2021 22 season should kick off as expected or as close to which is usually october they're saying it's going to be as close to october as they they can get it and they're expecting a full season and by that time we may be able to get more fans into the arenas which we're super stoked because we're going to the Devils game next week at 10% capacity in Jersey. Can I just tell you we have been starved for oh, live sports. Been dying for live sports. <laughs> I, I so I cannot I, wait. I I have been craving a a ballpark hot dog and I just want my big beer. I want my big beer and my chicken fingers and I'm good. I'm good. And I want the smell of the arena and the, the feel sticky and, gum under my seat. Yeah, and then you're not quite sure what you're stepping on. And the on very the large man man spreading sitting well, next see, to me. Well, see, what's nice, the, what's awesome about COVID is that we've got all this additional I space. I am psyched about this. because you, ex- you know excited because I usually have to buy you the aisle seat I know, and I, I'm saving money. I, I don't like being penned in. Nope. I, I, I can't deal on planes, anywhere. Nope. So it's great. Jen always has to get me an aisle fun. seat. Yep, got to pay so, that extra 20 bucks or whatever. But with this, there was only 10% allowed in the stadium. That's, I can take up a whole row. <laughs> it's 1,900 fans will be at the Devils game. Um, when we go. Well, the and most important question that everybody had 
when the devil's opened up against again where for fans where do you get your beer and there are several beer stands <laughs> open so i mean that's you, all you I need. need you need your big beer yep jen gets her large can of labat yes you know it's canadian hockey and it has the devil's logo on it yep. and that lasts her to the beginning of the third period just about yeah, just, just about. about a little third period then i'm good for driving home yeah so but yeah so i'm really excited about that the 20 they've already said that it's gonna it, it should be about as normal as we can get it so fingers keep our fingers crossed. crossed that we continue on this trend that we're going with um one other additional note i wanted to mention about the tampa bay lightning and how they are totally kicking ass they're eight oh and one since uh february 22nd yeah just want to point that out yeah they they're a juggernaut they keep going the way they are they stay healthy and the islanders have won the, their last six in a row yeah and i our unfortunate devils are playing the islanders right now and they they're were losing right? they were losing last time i checked um the last thing i want to mention about the nhl does have to do with the playoffs is that the NHL and ESPN have reached an agreement yes. for the Stanley Cup, and that includes streaming. So even if, you know... Ooh, so if yeah. you have ESPN Plus... If you have ESPN Plus and you have just the ESPN app, you'll be able to get all of the hockey games, Ooh. which is really, really cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, because NBC Sports is going under, Yes, and they, co- they carried they, a lot of the, the, hockey. the hockey games. I'm glad ESPN picked it up. As much as ESPN, we've I've always felt we had that discussion before about ESPN had that picture of the greatest athletes ever, and there wasn't one hockey player like, how do you not put Gretzky on that? At least put Gretzky. Yeah. Um. You know, and everybody's like, well, ESPN isn't a hockey. They're not a hockey station. They don't talk about hockey, and it's true. Like, it they is don't true. Have hockey channels when you, or not channels, but hockey shows, and you don't when they talk about like uh, first take things like that they don't talk about hockey so i feel like maybe this is a, a, a corner that espn might be taking well i think they're saying that i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i read that the ratings have gone up for hockey yeah. over the past two years that the the viewership oh, ratings have has. really gone up and i think espn is seeing that and thinking you know, maybe we should cover hockey because the NBA ratings have gone down. Yeah, they have. So I think they're seeing that. Yeah, I I mean, hockey hockey is a fun sport. I hockey like is the best. Sport. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, so we're. I was excited to see that. Um, I thought that was that was really awesome that ESPN was getting involved in that, and all the games would be available on streaming. Um, I was pretty psyched about that. So well, um, yeah. Now we can watch. We can watch pretty much anything we want because we're so. also Edmonton fans, so we can watch Edmonton. Yep, which we have the NHL, but still. well, yeah. But now we don't have to pay whatever it. Yeah, it went from four ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have for this week. How about you? Do you have anything else? I, you know, I'm Baseball? looking through my copious notes because you know I always have a copious amount of you type only got about notes. Eight pages. This I only week. had eight pages this week. Um. You know, but Major so. League Baseball, like we're, we're getting into our, our fantasy drafts. I did a, a blog post on why Keeper Day is the best day on the planet. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I, I did write a blog about why I think the knuckleball, the knuckleball. is yep. the best pitch. Yep. So definitely go to our website. Check that out. Time out with JenLisa.com. And you can check out our blog post. We have some photos up there. We've got all of our podcast episodes in one easy spot. That you, you know, can snag it all. I think when we go to the game on the 18th, we should take some pics and we should post them 
we should in our in our fancy little masks that we have to wear and with my big beer and chicken fingers i think you should post a picture of your big beer i think we should i think i may have to do that so we'll have to take a picture of me with my big beer in the arena with my mask covid19 hockey style i really like it i think that's it for this week we hope everyone has a fantastic week Thank you for listening. Definitely follow us on social media. We're on all social media channels now, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And anchor.fm slash timeoutjl is where we pretty much upload all of our podcasts. But again, you can go to our website, timeoutwithjenlisa.com, and check us out. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Take care. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Jen and Lisa. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anchor.fm slash timeoutjl, and also on Spotify.